Hey everyone. When you look at Matthew McConaughey, you may see an overnight success. Then you read his memoir, and yeah, that's about right. Today's book is Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey, a very lucky person. <laughs> I'm Kellett Erskine. I'm a comic, a father, and up until recently, I wasn't sure if Matthew McConaughey was just sort of making up that sexy Southern voice this whole time. And then I listened to him commit to it for nine hours on this audiobook. <laughs> Not only that, every story he tells you, you're like, oh yeah, he's from the South. <laughs> and I'm David Vance. Now that I know McConaughey came up with and spread the word McConaissance, I've started calling this year the Industrial Devolution. Greenlights is Matthew McConaughey's fascinating memoir. It's also not the title I would use if I wanted people to forget that I did an insane car commercial. And this is The Book Pile. Everyone mocked that Lincoln ad because he seemed almost stoned. Mm -hmm. Like he would say these things that are supposed to be deep, but they're just so vague that they don't mean anything. Mm -hmm. And then you read the beginning of this book and you're like, oh, that's just his personality. <laughs> <laughs> All right, quick reminder to rate and review the book pile because after reading this book, Kellen and I decided that we would also like to be effortlessly famous. <laughs> K8 News says, this podcast is great for helping me decide if I'd like to read a book or just listen to a hilarious book report about it. Thanks to Kellen and Dave for keeping me sane in the school kid pickup line. How long is that line? <laughs> also, I'm waiting for the perfect opportunity to use Oklahomely in a sentence. And that's got to be <laughs> the greatest accidental joke I've ever told. I'm glad that's what people <laughs> took away from that podcast was my one blunder. I sometimes think your accidental jokes, if you have enough comedy experience, aren't as accidental as you think. Oh, I'm a genius. Finally, our next two books are Gone Girl and The Big Short. All right. And without further ado, here are five lessons that we took from Green Lights. All right. Lesson one. Luck plays a big role, but you should probably ignore that. <laughs> Kellen, you and I talked about how Matthew McConaughey had basically the luckiest career you can have. <laughs> He got cast in Dazed and Confused, basically because he met someone in a bar in Texas. <laughs> he got an Angels in the Outfield just by walking in the door. <laughs> they said, have you played baseball? And he said, yeah. And they said, you're hired. <laughs> Which fits because it's a movie about people getting success they didn't work for. <laughs> also, can you imagine being a struggling actor for 15 years and then you read that story? <laughs> There's also a part in the book where he tells you his workout regimen for starring in rom-coms. And he says, yeah, I, I wake up, I poop, I get a tan, maybe do some yoga on the beach. <laughs> Throughout the book, he keeps talking about destiny and green lights. And I'm like, Matthew, if I had your career, I would also believe in destiny. <laughs> <laughs> or when he met his wife, he said, the arrow doesn't seek the target. The target draws the arrow. And I'm like, I would say that if I looked like you, too. <laughs> yeah. Now, he obviously works very hard, too. But I bring this up because I have this theory that to be super successful, you have to have incredible luck and also not believe in luck. <laughs> <laughs> or I'll put it this way. I think to succeed like Matthew McConaughey, you need so much work and then also so much luck. And I don't think you would put in the work if you knew how much luck you still needed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think the difference here is that the first couple of times it was such a reverse that it's easy to go back and reverse engineer like lessons and put them down in a book. But it was that he got lucky and then he worked hard at the roles that he got. 
Right. But this isn't a story of a guy who endured commercial auditions for a decade before getting his first break. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes celebrity memoirs feel like someone went to a casino, rolled two sixes, and then wrote a book called How to Roll Two Sixes. <laughs> <laughs> and we never see all the books by the people who did the exact same thing, but just didn't roll that. <laughs> It's almost like they would rather romantically look in the rearview mirror to prove that they weren't as lucky as they seem. But it is like, <laughs> like if I could make an analogy, it would be uh, like someone winning the lottery and then investing in Bitcoin and being like, you want to know how I got rich? <laughs> this isn't a takeaway from Matthew McConaughey at all, yeah. because he is very talented and charismatic. Right. The point I'm making is... I'm sure there are tons of guys as charming and handsome as Matthew McConaughey who just didn't meet the right guy in a bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and as far as becoming a great actor, Alan Arkin is one of my favorites. And one time he said, anyone can become an actor, just give them 20 years. Mm. And I think that is what happens with people who get whatever break they do. Yeah, eventually they can win an Oscar. But that isn't necessarily how they got their first gig. Right. Also, if you're one of those people who think that luck has no impact on your success, I bet $100 you were born in a rich country. Because <laughs> no one living on a dollar a day is like, uh, my chances are about the same anywhere. And I, I think people bristle because they think that luck means that you didn't work hard. Like e Elon's fans might say, oh, he's not lucky. You know, he's a genius and he worked really hard. Mm. And I'm like, that's fair. But he also almost died of malaria. So could luck play a tiny role? <laughs> <laughs> I think about, too, how strong selection bias is, just in the sense that we don't read books from talented people who worked really hard who didn't make it big. And so you can come away thinking that hard work is all you need to make it big. There's a quote from someone on Twitter who said, our understanding of serial killers is just based on the ones who got caught. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Lesson two, take advice on success with a grain of salt when it comes from a beautiful person. <laughs> so Matthew McConaughey, he's a good writer and a great storyteller, which is super frustrating on top of his looks. Like, you're not supposed to be all three of those things. Have you ever seen a picture of Charles Dickens? He looks like one of his ghosts. <laughs> anyway, I enjoyed this book, but if it were going to be retitled as an actually applicable self-help book, it would have to be called something more like, How to Get Cast in Hollywood If You Already Have the Body, Face, Eyes, and Uniquely Charming Voice of a Leading Man. <laughs> and Well, the title he was looking for was already taken, which was... How to Succeed at Business Without Really Trying. <laughs> uh, and before you call me out on this, uh, referring back to the story you just told, Dave, of how he got the part in Angels in the Outfield, he literally did just show up wearing a sleeveless shirt and a baseball hat. He didn't even say anything at first. He was just there. The casting director saw him, said some pleasantly surprised swear words, and told him he had the part. Like, have you ever auditioned for anything, Dave? No. Well, I have, and this is not what happens. <laughs> I am going to try it, though, because I just got a casting call for an orange juice commercial, and I, I think I'll send him a video of me just standing outside in a tank top. <laughs> and they'll be like, whoa, have you ever had orange juice before? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> 
sixth through twelfth grade, actually. I, I hope the orange juice commercial is about these angels that force feed you orange juice. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, as a writer myself, the one thing that I took comfort in is that in the acknowledgments, he thanked three different people for editing this book. And I think I would only need two. All right. Lesson three. Sometimes you hear a story that makes you realize the person telling it doesn't realize that they have bad parents. <laughs> He tells this story where his dad asks his older brother to come with him and steal some pipe, and the brother won't do it. So his dad starts trying to beat him up, and the brother has to knock him out with a two-by-four. And his dad comes to and is so proud of his brother for proving he's a man. And Matthew tells the story like, ah, childhood. <laughs> and everyone else is like, holy crap, you have a terrible dad. <laughs> yeah. Or another time, Matthew steals some pizza, so his dad punches him in the face. He falls down, gets scared, wets his pants. His dad says, I'll let you punch me four times for every punch I get to give you. What do you think of that? Matthew turns him down, and then in the book, he's like, yeah, I wish I handled it better. <laughs> and it's like, I don't think the problem in that interaction was the child. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the crazy part about all of this, is that he's... The regret that he's expressing is not having sucker punched his own father in both of these situations. <laughs> like, then I would have become a man sooner, right, everyone? And I see him just sort of gesturing to the world, and all of us are like, no. <laughs> it's insane. Do you remember Matthew McConaughey's character in Tropic Thunder? Uh, no, I don't. So he plays a Hollywood agent and he is like the quintessential yes man. And all I can imagine is that if he had three editors, those three people were exactly the same to him because they're <laughs> all of them are proofreading these stories of abuse uh -huh. that he is just so nostalgic <laughs> over. <laughs> and none of them, and all of them were like, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> who didn't deal with this growing up? <laughs> Maybe the reason there's three editors is the same reason there's multiple members of a firing squad, and it's that you can't feel fully responsible. <laughs> <laughs> Even his mom loved fame so much that when he became famous, she immediately did a tour where she's like, okay, and here's where he lost his virginity. And, he, <laughs> and throughout the book, McConaughey's just like, ah, oh, families. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Lesson four. To solve your problems, be rich. So I like to Again, get... we liked this book. <laughs> <laughs> we really did. <laughs> There's just a lot to have fun with, too. So I get like three massages a year. It's usually after I've messed up my back on a coast-to-coast -coast flight. And the last time I went, the therapist said, as I always do, that I was incredibly tight. <laughs> and I just asked, so how often should I be getting massages? And she said, oh, at least twice a week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like... Kind of like the mechanic saying, oh, the car is real broken. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, cool. So between me and my wife... I'll just go to the bank and take out a massage loan. <laughs> I immediately think of a bank gives you a massage and a week later you need to give them 1.1 massages. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So at one point in the book, Matthew McConaughey is pushing 50 and he decides to take inventory of his life. And while most of us would only really have the option to flip through a couple photo albums to do this, he says, quote, I spent two weeks in the desert where I was conceived, two more on the river where I learned to swim. <laughs> so both places where he swam, got it. <laughs> and I'm trying to do extra rich S sounds for how he talks. Another two in a cabin nestled in the piney woods of East Texas, three more in a hotel room on the Mexican border, and two more in a New York City apartment. <laughs> and it's like, well, good good for you. Thanks for that bumper sticker that we can all easily follow. Right. <laughs> I'll just finance that uh, by giving up my next 25 massages. <laughs> At another point, after he did the movie Contact, he needed to do some soul-searching. So he says, I bought a 1969 Savannah van and tricked it out to suit my fancies. I gutted the interior of the two captain's chairs and installed a custom console with a hideaway cooler and drain. I spent ten grand on an Alpine amp and ten more on a top-end vintage sound system, fixed a leopard-skin couch in the back, and drilled a hole in the floor with an oil funnel so I could pee without having to pull over. <laughs> First of all, like, are, are you in cruise control? How are you doing that last part? <laughs> you don't have to pull over is your dog driving <laughs> it's just so funny to read in a book where he does like genuinely try and give all this great life advice but then he throws in stuff like this and it's like i don't know good for you <laughs> i know i'm not sure <laughs> what i'm supposed to do with this that last one is the only one i can afford and even the go on an endless road trip thing leaves out the fact that at this point in his career, if a director wanted him for a movie, they would fly and have him pick them up in Colorado, talk with him for a couple hours, and drop them off in Utah, and he could just keep moving. <laughs> he wasn't having to play by our rules. So he also, at another point, he goes to Brazil to cruise down the Amazon and reflect on his life. But at one point, so this is right after right after he receives this overnight ultra fame from A Time to Kill, he shoots over to New Mexico for another expensive vacation of self-discovery at a monastery. Uh, he says, I shared the demons of my mind for three and a half hours with Brother Christian. So he shares everything about like losing his sense of self with immediate fame, how he started treating women like objects, how he didn't feel connected to his past. And this monk doesn't say anything until the very end when it's silent for a few minutes. And then the monk says, me too. <laughs> and Makarei says, uh, sometimes we don't need advice. Sometimes we just need to know that we're not the only one. And I know that that's true, but I just don't think it applies here. Like, I'm sure right. this is how it should have played out. McConaughey expresses his discontent with getting super rich and super famous. The monk says, me too. And then yeah. McConaughey says, well, no. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm sure that in monk school, this is just what they teach you to say at the end of every super long one-sided conversation. <laughs> Relate with them. <laughs> All right, lesson five. If you can't be deep, at least be vague. <laughs> Kellen, I'm going to read some aphorisms, and I want you to guess if they're from Matthew McConaughey or an AI. Okay. The goddess of luck is fortune. Uh, AI? Nope, Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Rain is just sunshine from hell. Uh, that's uh, McConaughey. Nope, AI. 
over to are envy simply life's reactions to the cracks in reality what that's McConaughey AI (laughs) (laughs) this is going exactly how I would have hoped (laughs) (laughs) I read this book and I still can't tell (laughs) our souls are infinitely magnetic that sounds like some whiskey wisdom from McConaughey (laughs) yes that's McConaughey (laughs) don't begin dream bigger God, that sounds too cheesy. I'm going to say AI. Yep. (laughs) Rather than struggle against time and waste it, let's dance with time and redeem it. I'm going to say McConaughey because he uses the verb dance at least 85 times in this book. (laughs) You're right. Okay, you've clawed your way back up to to batting 500. (laughs) Someday life will seem like a joke, so you might as well borrow money. That's pretty funny. Uh, McConaughey? Nope, AI. (laughs) It took a robot to write something funnier than he did. (laughs) The truth is only offensive when we're lying. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. I'm going to say that's an AI too. Nope, McConaughey. (laughs) (laughs) I underestimated (laughs) him. You can make anything sound like an aphorism if you just say the vaguest crap imaginable. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right, random facts. My favorite anecdote in this book is that to prepare for a role, he once got a concussion trying to tackle a cow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was for that dragon movie, right? (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And I feel like you should have to be reminded of that every time he tries to share wisdom with you. A story gave me a hope as a very inexperienced actor when he'd already been in like 20 movies that he's like, to prepare for this role, I decided to walk barefoot in the desert 10 miles a day. And then he's like, after day one, my feet hurt really bad, though. (laughs) So I stopped. (laughs) Somehow his role preparation in that movie feels like all things that Napoleon Dynamite would do. So to me, these couple of sentences in the book were written as if they were written for Matthew McConaughey in a movie. (laughs) And the context here is that he is high in his apartment playing the drums. Oh, yeah. He says, For me, the congas have always been the purest, most instinctual instrument. No sticks, no electricity, no strings, no tools. Just skin to skin with the most analog spoken language prayer song and dance known to man. The percussion. And then two policemen broke down the door and dragged him away naked because he'd been playing with the windows open for days. (laughs) Have you ever met someone who seems stoned even when they're sober? (laughs) (laughs) I've looked in the mirror. Have you read our reviews? I don't know how many people are like, I can't tell if Kellen is high. I'm curious how you would talk if you were a stone. <laughs> I'm sure I would sound like one of those voice disguises for witnesses on those serial killer shows. <laughs> there are so many iconic improvised moments in film, and people love to tell you when something was made up on the spot. Mm-hmm. But if anyone ever said to you, did you know Matthew McConaughey improvised? All right, all right, all right. <laughs> You'd be like, Yeah, man. 
That's very believable. (laughs) What's crazy to me, though, is like, speaking of luck, the fact that he made that choice and he had essentially never acted in anything before, his first line of his first movie becomes his lifelong catchphrase. I don't know that Uh that has ever been done before. (laughs) Or that it's been something so simple and easy to improvise. (laughs) So at one point when he talks about how he how he lost all that weight uh, for the Dallas Buyers Club, I don't know if he tries to alienate every single reader of his book, but he says, quote, weighing 182 pounds at the time, I had a lot of weight to lose. <laughs> it's like, screw you, Matthew. That was my 182 was my New Year's resolution. So his diet plan was, quote, Three egg whites in the morning, five ounces of fish, and a couple of vegetables for lunch. The same for dinner, and as much wine as I wanted. I shed 2.5 pounds a week like clockwork. Good genes for lunch. (laughs) A trainer for dinner. (laughs) With that diet, I really wanted him to end the story with, I also got mercury poisoning and a DUI. (laughs) He just talks about how easy it was. And it's like, sure, that's discipline. It's months of the same food every day. But don't you dare admire him for it. Like, this goes back to my thought about Leonardo DiCaprio and The Revenant. But applied to the Dallas Buyers Club situation, if you think McConaughey's commitment is amazing, just ask yourself, would you eat the same stuff for four months for 200 grand in an Academy Award? <laughs> it doesn't seem so hard after that. I would eat the stuff just because I'm too lazy to cook anything new. <laughs> <laughs> so if anyone is ever like actors, how do they do it? It's like, well, let's look at the incentive. <laughs> I will say throughout the whole thing, even though he is the luckiest man to walk the earth, you can't help rooting for him because he's just always so optimistic. Yeah. I mean, clearly he's an optimist just from the way he describes being punched in the face by his dad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then distilling it down to, daddy just wanted me to be productive. He spends half a year with a manipulative, probably sociopathic Australian family and ends with, down under, what a gas. (laughs) (laughs) I do think if you are as optimistic as Matthew McConaughey and just stick to everything the way he does, it's probably hard to fail in the long term. Because I don't know what would get him to give up if he is as optimistic as he seems in that book. That's true. And to play my own devil's advocate, even if he didn't get that insanely lucky first gig, uh, I'm not saying that he wouldn't have gotten work in the future. Like, he seems mm-hmm. like a guy that would have just pursued it until he did. Uh, he just didn't need to. <laughs> right. <laughs> It is funny when a writer has to make drama out of instant success, (laughs) like winning time on HBO right now. Magic Johnson won the championship his first year in the league, (laughs) and somehow they're making it into riveting television. I liked this piece of advice. He said, the first step that leads to our identity in life is usually not, I know who I am, but I know who I'm not. Mm. And I definitely had that when I had my first job that I hated because there's just so much clarity in realizing like, oh, I do not want this path. Mm -hmm. And some exes are like that too. (laughs) (laughs) I like this quote from him. He said, we don't live longer when we try not to die. We live longer when we're too busy living. 
And I don't know that it's true, but I still like it. I just imagine a conversation where someone's like, hey, you want a green smoothie? And another guy zips past. He's like, no, thanks. That's not going to help as much as me rollerblading right now. <laughs> I think all of his aphorisms become true if at the end you put, if you are Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> The goddess of luck is fortune, if you are Matthew McConaughey. Another thing that I liked when an acting teacher of his was sort of reprimanding him or not showing up to class, but it was because McConaughey was pursuing like short films. He says, quote, I'm chasing things outside the classroom that the classroom is teaching me to chase. Mm, that's cool. Yeah. One really gratifying part in his film school was when all the snooty film people were crapping on popular movies. Mm. And he was like, okay, did you watch it? And no one had watched the movie they were crapping <laughs> on. He's like, screw all of you. <laughs> I know I've brought this up before, but I'm always fascinated by how much of our identity we build on the things that we hate and on mm. feeling superior because we hate those things. <laughs> it's a much easier way to achieve superiority. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> All you have to do is convince everyone in your circle that something that another creator spent four years on is garbage. <laughs> now, do we do that in our roast? Sure. Of course. <laughs> but in our case... We're just busy living. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the few pessimistic parts of the whole book... <laughs> It's when he's talking about going to high school in Australia. He says, socially, the school was awkward because no one had a driver's license. No one wanted a party. And the chicks were not digging me. <laughs> like, I would love to have the confidence <laughs> that just because girls weren't hitting on me that I could blame an entire school of being socially awkward. <laughs> an entire continent. <laughs> So at one point during one of his uh, existential crises, he comes out of it by deciding that from then on, he was just going to do movies for himself and for God. And it's like, so Magic Mike, <laughs> that was for our Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that God would act the way that you do when you get a gift that you did not want. Like, oh, thanks, Matt. <laughs> All right, to recap, our favorite lessons from Green Lights. One, luck plays a big role, but you should probably ignore that. Two, to solve your problems, be rich. That one's actually really good advice. <laughs> Three, if you can't be deep, at least be vague. And four, if you're looking for your next Sunday movie with your family, may I suggest this one film about a magical guy named Mike? <laughs> <laughs>